Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Welcome again to the School of Prayer. I believe the Lord has heard the prayers we have prayed so far. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding so we can study a bit and then we'll continue praying. All right. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. And then we will hear the teaching of the word for a while. After that, we'll continue to pray. Let's start again from the book of Psalms number 40. We'll be reading that for a while now. What I want to remind believers of in this series is that we have some responsibilities to ourselves. Paul said to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, take heed to yourselves. First, that's the first place you start your the taking of heed. You're being careful, not to the assignment, but first of all to what? Yourself. So you take it to yourself first. And prayer is used for that also. There is nothing we do as Christians that we do with our strength. Because I need to say this again and again. Usually in life, there is a small thing that's within your control where you are failing. That's where the big thing with, out of your control is going out of order. Did you get what I said? Sometimes, you see, this is what happens. It will appear as if something is out of your control. If you're going to read my book, Worship and Sex Control, I explained it there. That one reason why people fail in resisting temptation is that they are resisting sin that has been conceived and is about to give birth. Do you get my point? I mean, if you've seen a woman in labor, the first, in fact, the first time I went to take delivery as a student, I made up my mind something was wrong. That there's no way this baby is coming out. Nothing wrong with the woman, nothing wrong with the baby. I just wasn't used to a whole human being coming out from a normal person. Do you know, like, I mean, if you say, okay, take a knife, do surgery, which I couldn't do, all right, would have made more sense to me. However, when the uterus starts squeezing the womb, you know, you know what they call the womb? It's a big bag of muscle. There's nothing else inside apart from muscle. When it starts squeezing, that's why the baby cries. When they squeeze you like that, you say, if you go cry. <laughs> what I'm going to say is that you can't stop it one day. This is a joke, but it really happened. One man, his wife went into labor. So, of course, she was uh, crying. Some, some of the neighbors heard. So, the people gathered. What's the issue? Take her to hospital now. No, he didn't have any money. I had not prepared. So he told them, say, please beg her to just manage it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, this really happened. He told your neighbors, please, you should let me beg her whether she can just manage it tomorrow. Then she can deliver tomorrow. This was night. So he was like, where would I get money at this time of the day? The, the man was telling us the story. It was his mother that was there. It was his mother that said, okay, don't worry. No, she can't manage. There's nothing like manage till tomorrow. It's not hunger. If somebody is squeezing, you know, the baby is being squeezed to come out. It was that woman that someone was the one telling us the story. 
that just quickly managed to run around, gather some money, say, let's go, let's go, let's go. Bought a few things. And I don't know why the man, because I, the delivery normally gives you nine months notice. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a problem. Problem to plenty. The man kept on solving one problem, waiting that the other one, the one did the Now, why I told the story is that when it's time to deliver, it's not the time to resist. I hope you're getting my point. And the Bible says, sin having conceived, that is how it's like a lost, having conceived, gives birth to sin. So, what happens is that a lot of people want to resist when it has gotten to the point of delivery. When God says resist at the time of conception. When sin is about to be conceived. Now, why I went to all of that is that to let us know that usually we have much more control in life than we realize. We just apply the brakes at the wrong time. Do you get my point? We applied the brake after the Lamborghini we went to buy without any experience in driving. He's already doing 200 kilometers an hour, 250 kilometers an hour down the highway. Then you want to control it. And you don't have any experience in driving. Your control should have been, I can't drive, don't enter. Do you get my point? That should have been the control. Again, you know, I just remember, when I tell some of these things, I remember stories here and there that make these things Dramatic. One man is, was a thief. You know, we have thieves a lot in the society. There are different kinds of thieves. This one's a high-level paper thief, official thief. So it was a fraud guy, you know, businessman, but he was doing fraud in the stock exchange in America, New York. Only they caught him anyway, so he had to go to prison. So, they, you know, like Americans we do, they gathered all the things he had gotten from the fraud, the process of fraud. So they, they confiscated everything. But one thing they wanted to confiscate that was the problem was his car. He had a Ferrari. Was it Ferrari or Lamborghini? So the police begged him to bring it himself. <laughs> According to the article I read, that none of them could take the risk of driving it through the streets of New York. And yes, they said, please, sir, um, you know you are going to prison tomorrow? He said, yes. Can you drop this car in the office before you go? <laughs> Literally, they begged him to please bring the car himself. Because they said, they looked at the car, looked at each other. Anyone of you who drive this thing? All of them said, no. <laughs> now, are you getting my point? They knew to control themselves before the car would go out of control. And one man I read about, he had money. He went and bought a Ferrari. And the Ferrari lasted in his hand like 30 minutes. As it took off, he crashed it. When I saw the piece of the car, I didn't believe a human came out of it. These are high-performance vehicles. Now, just to let us understand that where those people who had sense more than the other man, well, they knew that they couldn't control that power. So they didn't enter it. They did not start it. A friend of mine entered one and took pictures and sent to me somewhere in the U.S. I said, boy, did you drive it? He said, ah. He said, oh, boy, no I, no, I didn't drive it. I said, why not? He said, to take pictures was, I think, $20. He said, that's all I paid. I said, driving car, he said, it's $100. I, Why not? He said, $100 is not the problem. He says, when I finish crashing the car, that's where the problem is. <laughs> I said, they don't get insurance. He said, I don't have time to read five, fine prints. I'm telling you, real conversation we had. He said, all the money I'm working for in this America, you want me to be used to pay for a Ferrari? I think it was a Lamborghini. Lamborghini. He said, I beg, I don't feel pay for moto. So he entered the car and took pictures. I still have the pictures. 
Then he came down and posted to me. He said, I didn't come to America to work for the people that I crushed their car. That's how to control yourself. Many people will get into that car and take off. And say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I control this car. God said, hey, should I have told you in the name of Jesus, I, I can resist temptation to enter what I cannot control. Do you get what I'm saying? Please read the book, Worship and Sex Control. That was why I, that, that, I explained that in details there, to, for Christians to understand this. We actually have much more control in life than we realize. It's just that we apply the control at the wrong times. For example, I tell young men, young women, what are you looking for in a nightclub? They say, don't blame the victim. I will blame you, you're my sister. I will blame you, you're my brother. Are you mad? Have you seen anything that looks like Holy Spirit there? Once you approach, you can see evil spirits. The lighting of the place is to create an ambience for iniquity. Some say they want to go there and preach the gospel. I will wait for you at the door. When you come out, I preach to you. I'm not coming inside. I will, wait the, I will wait at the door. I hope you are getting my point. See, people just, they expose themselves to nonsense. They will not lose control. They will not be looking as if the Bible is wrong. When Paul said, God will not allow you to be tempted more than that which you are able to bear. And with every temptation, he will give you a way of escape. God said, the way of escape is behind. You pass the, the door of escape. Entered where there is no, you enter the door of no return. I'm not looking for a way of escape. Many people, their control is just to choose the right company. So they want, you know, there's a saying in Western Nigeria. They say what a man is not supposed to eat, he shouldn't be sniffing it. You want to say, are you eating it? No, no, I just want to see how it smells. The aroma is enticing. That's what, that's what happened to you. I said, they look. Ah, this fruit, how far? <laughs> now look. Before it was happening, she was swallowing. So what am I swallowing? Something you beat. She didn't remember biting it. I'm just adding that one to it. In life, that's what God has given us. It's like a steering. That's how you steer your life. As long as you hold that steering, use it at the right times, you have control over the big truck. But if you decide like one woman in America did, that the car has cruise control, that left the vehicle, went to the back to go and make coffee. In the trailer, you know, like this uh, home, like this thing. Because the bottom that has cruise control. And of course, the car lost control. <laughs> she forgot that cruise control doesn't mean I won't sit at the steering. I read the story because she now sued the company. They said the car has cruise control. I said, didn't you read the manual? Cruise control is a speed control. Not, uh, it's not auto- Even the ones that do automatic driving. Tesla will insist both of your hands must be on the steering all the time. They even have to write software to detect whether you have both hands on the steering, when they're using what they call the um, autopilot, which is actually a driver assist system. What am I saying in all of this? Brethren, identify where your control is. Don't throw away your control and be blaming God. Are you getting my point? And James said, where is the steering? Where did James say the steering is? The tongue. Thank you. He said, how do you steer a massive ship? He said, you hold the rudder. You have a steering somewhere that controls. He said, the thing is big. He said, but you control the tongue, you control the course of life. 
You control the tongue, you control the course of life. You decide the direction that your life will go by just controlling something that is so much under your control. You can't control the weather. You can't control when Asu will go off strike. You can't control whether there will be grid collapse in the power supply nationally or not. You can't control your opportunities. That's the point I know to make with all of these things. You can't control any of these. But yet, James said, you can control the, your destiny. How? Control your tongue. Stop saying things that one day there will be trouble in this house. Because you are angry. And he said, one day, you will see the kind of person I, meet, I, I, I am. I've been controlling myself because of it. Just watch. One day you will see it. Then one day you have killed somebody. Then your eyes open. No, normally we don't. Because you know, last year, the year before, three years ago, you kept on prophesying and you rearranged the direction of the house. Now they have seen it. You said one day they will see it. One day I will beat you. It's your wife you're talking to. I will beat you. You don't recognize yourself. Anyway, I know you know you know karate. When you were in school, that time you were you 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 were one of the boys in karate club in school. You have not used it for a long time. On the one day your eye will clear. Somebody is lying half conscious on the ground. You have given her a jujitsu and the the yakamoto kick. There's nothing like that. So don't go and <laughs> and you can't remember doing it. It's only because you kept on prophesying in your fit of anger. You kept on saying, one day you will experience UFC 35 in this house. James said, you controlled your destiny. Don't say that day I didn't know what I was doing. God said, yes, that day you did not know. But two years before, you knew. A year and a half before, you knew. Six months before, a year before, you knew. Six months before, you knew. In fact, two days before, you knew. But you kept on reinforcing it with your words. I hope you're getting my point. When God said to Joshua, how do you succeed? He said, this book of the law shall not depart from where? Your mouth. That's how you will succeed in life. It is not by going for further military training. It is not by going for executive master of business administration. It's not by learning how to read the stock market. Or when Bitcoin will peak, I want it to have its trough. He said, it is not. How will you succeed in life? This book of the law will not depart from your mouth. But you will meditate. Meditate means mutter. Speak to yourself therein, day and night. When you do that, you will discover that you will be careful to observe everything that is written therein to do them. And when you do them, you will now make your way prosperous generally and have good success. Where does success come from? Meditating, putting the words, the word of God on your lips, on your tongue. Where does failure come from? Neglecting to do that. Where does success come from? Putting those words on your lips. Where does failure come from? neglecting to do it. You can't control the climate. You can't control the weather. You can't control the sun or the rain. But you can control whether you will read or you will not read. You can control whether you will mutter or you will not mutter the word. And life, that's what life does. Life normally struggles with us 
for those small things and we yield for them easily. Because they tend to appear small. They are not big. Do you get my point? You know, something happened. This, just to give you an illustration. Check this. Most talk you find around jokes about marriage, they are very denigrating. Go and check it. They usually speak evil of marriage. It's mockery that people used to make fun about marriage all the time. Okay, let me not say all the time. Not too many times. Just 99.9% of the times. True or false? I have interesting jokes from nice people. I make jokes also, but I'm careful not to make jokes that denigrate, that speak evil of the institution. And I try my best not to laugh when you do. Yeah, when people do, I don't laugh. I don't forward it. If if you post a nonsense joke about the marriage institution to me, no matter how funny it is, I will not share it. Even if I laugh, I will repent for laughing. I will not share it. Because I've learned that we should not... You know, these are holy things. You should not mock holy things. We should not make mockery of holy things. There are two prominent ministers of the gospel I know about. More than 20 years before their marriages failed, both of them, I kind of looked back and I realized I knew it would fail. Now, I didn't think their marriages would fail, but I had encounters with some of their people. That, is, that encounter made me understand that these boys are heading in the wrong direction. I didn't know what was going on in their homes. I did not know the relationship between the husbands and the wives. No. But just by hearing their disciples speak, I knew these guys are not, they are not in order. Just by hearing their disciples speak. And these are disciples that were in the Inner meetings. Do you get my point? I found out. Now, I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay? I do, what I'm about to tell you, I don't do it. I'm saying it because I don't want you to do it if you're a preacher. And you're listening to me. I found out that most preachers, even good ones, hmm, what they preach here is different from what they really believe. If I particular man, I love him so much. One day I found out some things he preached in the inner caucus. I was upset. Now, not, why was I upset? Because the things he preached openly, do you follow my point? I used to be like, sir, this thing cannot be totally true. Ah, no. I'm like, this man knows a lot. Now, why does he say this thing? It's not a bad thing. He's saying good things. But I said, no, this thing you are saying, there is a part of it that's not exactly like this. Then one day I had inner caucus teachings, and it was saying exactly what I knew. So I said, why didn't you tell us in the open? Why do you take us through this kind of difficulty in relating what you are preaching? He said, you know what, you are preaching openly, you can't say that. I said, why not, man? Why not? Why not? You are giving us a wrong impression. I found that a lot of preachers do it. I don't mean that it's not everything they can preach. I mean that they will say one and believe something that's almost directly opposite. A lot of people do it. I try my best not to. So these people I'm telling you about, people came out from the inner caucus. And I heard their teachings in the inner caucus. And I said, your God, they do like this. If I both persons that told me about the two different people, they both left the ministry partly because of that. If I one was in the Bible school when they were teaching those things, he finished the course and refused to graduate. He said, no, I will not, I will not take your certificate. I will not take your ordination. I won't take your anointing. The day of their graduation, I know my friends were there. I stood. I just, it came for the, uh, for the ceremony, but sat with the rest of us when the congregation. He just smiled, didn't tell me anything. It was years later we were talking. It was years later, something led to something. I said, look, 
This was the reason why I refused to participate in that graduation ceremony. I finished the course, lest I appear to be lazy and stuff like that. I finished it, did everything they said we should do. Then I pulled out, I am not joining the graduating class. So when they were praying for people, I said, no, don't. What do you believe? See, seeds, eh? The other day somebody sent me a picture of a mustard seed. Not to me personally, I just sent it to our group. I said, is this what Jesus was talking about? I don't know whether it's true or false, but if that's really mustard seed, it's like half or one-third the size of a millet. A millet seed. Tiny. And it grows to be a great tree. What am I going to say? <laughs> the size of the seed does not correlate with the size of the tree. Nor does it correlate with the size of the fruit. Mango seed is big. Sizable. It's like 200 times the size of a mustard. No, like 500 times the size of a mustard seed. <laughs> you have to put 500. <laughs> but the tree has not been big anyway. But it's still less than my fist. A, a, a good-sized mango is about the size of my fist. And the fruits, generally, apart from that one, they call pita mango. Most of them just about one-third the whole thing. All right? So it's quite sizable. It grows a very large um, tree, and the fruit is bigger than that. But that's an unusual one. Think of the tomato. Tomato seed is like mustard seed. Tomato fruit can be huge, even though the tree is small. But some of the seed is not so big, the tree is huge. Now, what, what am I saying? The thing you are planting, you don't know what to put in front of you. What appears small, when it produces fruit, you will be afraid. And that's the problem. People usually don't link them. No, it can't be this. If somebody prophetically spoke to them that it is this your thought process, because we don't think of thoughts as being heavy things, that this your thought process is where your seed was planted. And it took 20 years to break down your home. A thought you have but at the age of 16 is hard to accept. That's why in life, learn how to plant the right seeds continually. Let me say this again because I was asked on this our program, asked Pastor Banky, you know. People say that, uh, am I trying to say that you can't sow a seed for a particular harvest you're expecting? Yes, that's what I said. This habit of sowing seed before you pray, I don't know where we got it from. It's a very, very bad habit. You give a big offering, you go and pray. I've told you, confusion is worrying you. Once you give that offering, Jesus goes to sit down somewhere. Handle your matter, don't call my name. Say, in Jesus, in name of the seed. And then, you know, before you know what's doing, what's happening to us, we started praying the name of the seed. Do you know that? And I planted this, I said, Father, have respect unto the covenant. I planted a seed. I was thinking that this seed must do something. Let me tell you, it doesn't work like that. You know why? He himself does not know how. Usually you don't know the seed that you planted. That's what I'm telling you. Jesus will say to them the last day, to the sheep, come into the joy of thy Lord. Why? Because I was hungry and you fed me. They did not know that would take them into a glorious place. Worse still, they they did not even know when they did it. They said, when were you hungry and we saw you and we fed you. When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When were you sick and we visited you? Or in prison and we came to you? Now, forget how they did it. What I want to bring out is that they did not know they did it. They did not know they did it. All this one that you are writing record of your seed. <laughs> These are dead seeds that you are planting. Some Christians have been taught to have a book. 
Today I'll plant it. Like one man saying, I'll plant. We plant. Plant a thousand naira seed. I've heard funny things. You give 24,000 naira seed, you can get 24 hours miracle. You hear that before? You say the year is the year 2020. So step into the year 2020, you will plant it. To start, no, 20,200. I said, Ross, start from 20 naira, 20 kobo. Why is that even 20,000? If it's a number, you know, Chris, ah, go for the customers. Kai! Sometimes the angels will be laughing. When they look the face of Jesus, they, they will stop laughing. We did not laugh. They almost have some of that preaching, those preachings. The angels will burst into laughter. Then they look in the rest of the Lord Jesus Christ. They see that he's not laughing. Then they, they, they straighten up. So what is funny? Why is this man? They were laughing before. When they said that the Lord of the church was not laughing. That is not funny to him. That they are adding to his words. Then that's, they wiped their laughter. Okay, so, I mean, those things are just jokes that we, because as crack, they are not really true. The seeds that matter, you often don't know when you, in fact, you usually don't know when you planted them. You don't know when you planted them. What just happens is that you, the way the Lord designed it, you continually do what is right. You continually breathe your tongue. You continually purify your thoughts. You know, I was reading the other day, and I saw that Paul wrote to the Philippians. Of course, we know about it. I just went there because I needed to get something right. He said, be careful about what you think. That is concerning what you think. Be careful what you think about. He said, make sure that this, you only think about things that are what? Just. Things that are good. Things that are right. Things that are of good report. You know, he gave... In fact, the, the list is so, the words are so similar to each other. He said, whatever is noble, no, no, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. So what you think about, it's important. Please let me just add this one for people, you know, you keep helping people. If you're on social media, don't follow vain people. Anybody who the only thing they display is their body form, face, body, clothes, their material possession, cars, houses, and all of that. Please never follow such people. That's an instruction I'm giving you by the Spirit. Never, you know, you, sh- you should not be a, a follower. The world is crazy. How do you know? The people that, that have the largest following are usually such people. They regularly mislead you. Number one, their pictures are all fake. Every single one is doctored. I was in somebody's birthday party a few days ago. You'll be surprised. I had never, never really seen that thing before. Nobody around me. My wife doesn't do social media like that. You understand? No. So, the way I was seated... I was just looking around. I didn't have anybody that, there that I knew, but just I was somebody that just invited us. My wife was not around, so I had to go. So I sat down. And I looked. And the lady be, you know, on this, the, some ladies sat together somewhere. So one of them was relatively close to me, but on another table. So she was, when she picked up her phone, if I look in that direction, I'm seeing the screen of the phone, but I'm not seeing her. Do you get my point? So they're taking pictures and posting. That was the first time I saw somebody use filters. And I saw human beings transform before my eyes. I never seen it used really. <laughs> just, so I just uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Man, things were just changing. Ha, ha, ha. I never seen it. That was my first time. These days, this world is so bad, you don't even know what to believe. You see Barack Obama discussing with Muhammad Buhari, they never met. 
Hate on social media, they are talking to each other. I saw one of that, a very, very funny joke. That was a real joke. I think I still have it somewhere. I laughed. It was a, our vice president complaining about the fact that they did not give him jollof rice when Charlie's mother died. You know? <laughs> and you see the man was talking. Say now, wow, I traveled this distance. Nothing. Jollof rice did not give me. And you see his face, his mouth moving, complaining about jollof rice he did not get. Did not put Prince Charles answered, now King Charles III. He said, no mind now, I give him more. He said, may I go change the pomo? You know? Now what I'm talking about is that if you saw that video maybe like eight years ago, seven years ago, you know, you'll be wondering, when did this happen? You may Prince Charles, but now you don't believe anything you see again or hear. They now have what they call deep fakes into videos. So the people you are following, every picture of them that you see, filtered, touched, there was one in which Kim had three hands. It was a mistake. The person putting doing the picture, you know, he, you know, they joined different parts of the woman to make her a perfect image. But one of the pictures he used, he did not remember realize that her hand, one, her hand was in her hair. So he took her under where both hands were somewhere. The people now just zoomed in and said, well, "How come you have another hand in your hair?" Those professionals joined the whole thing and forgot that one. There was one they did, and one of the women on the cover of a magazine had three legs. Yeah. They did it so perfect. When God wanted to embarrass them, they forgot to remove the leg from one of the pictures. They make these pictures until the person is perfect. They now go home and go and kneel down. God, make me fine like this. <laughs> because I don't do such things normally. When you come to heaven, I have a new body for you. Don't worry. But on this, I leave that thing. This is your sin. I didn't make it. The photographers made it. Young people are misled because they are looking at vanity all the time. So somebody said something like this. He said that he used to be under pressure. I forgot when I read it. This, this person was a Twitter person, all right? That he used to be under pressure. You know, they crop those things and circulate them. So I saw that one. Beautiful. He said he used to be under pressure all the time until he stopped following some people and started following people who were doing real hustle. He said the way peace came into his life so the people he follows on Twitter now are those who make shoes, make dresses. You understand? People who code. Things that he could relate. Now he saw that they were all struggling like him. Before he was following Hush Poppy, who was doing real estate. <laughs> doing real estate business. Make it look like he don't have sense. It's very easy to know people that are not making money legitimately. Check the way they are spending it and showing it off. When did Dangote show you his latest Bentley? He doesn't show you his latest Bentley. He's busy, he's busy making the money to buy Bentleys. He doesn't have time to be showing it off to you. Yeah, this guy will sit down and say, today's Valentine's Day, it's Christmas Day. I just wanted to buy myself a Bentley for Christmas. Put it on social media. Of course, of course people like us who know we we'll burst into laughter. And that loud mouth in Lagos, that's, that's a radio guy. Of course, you know, when they gave him food, you no know, food is very dangerous. And they gave him food to eat. He traveled to Dubai. The guy fed him when he ate and gave him on the real room. So he called himself a man of God. He started talking nonsense. He opened his mouth and insulted sensible people and said they are saying that the man is, they don't know the source of his wealth. Instead of them to go and tell their fathers to come and beg for a gitman job with the man. It was insulting the whole nation. And of course, God who knows how to embarrass people 
embarrassed him shortly after. Because the man was arrested. And we all knew, of course, the man showed us what we already knew anyway. And this man is a froster. You all know about the kidnapper that was picked up in Abuja like two days ago. That guy has been kidnapping business for seven years. Oh, yes, I found out when I read the newspaper reports. So you show up dollar on social media and tell you hustle, hustle for your money. Meanwhile, he was kidnapping for his own money. And the man who identified him said they beat him until they broke his leg. That is him, a victim. And he paid 15 million to come out of their, you know, their den. And the guy talked like a fool. What do I mean? He said, it's only two people he has kidnapped. I said, only two is only in kidnapping. You don't have enough sense to know that one is too much. The policeman looking at him says, he said, pity him. He said, did you pity this man when you were beating and torturing him? And you know, human is that collected all his uh, social media, put it together. Making the rest. Listen, stop. anybody that's showing off on social media, I forbid you in Jesus' name from following such people. All they do is mislead you. They lie. They, all they do is tell lies. When, that thing, when I saw that thing, I got out my children. Next morning when we were praying, I said, let me show you people something. And because I have children, most of them are teenagers. If all of them are teenagers now, all of them. There's only one that's about to escape out of the teenage years. So they're all in that group. So that don't mislead my children. I said, see, what they show you on social media, false. This guy is a thief. A lot of people, they call 419 uh, Yahoo boys. They are not Yahoo anything. No. They are armed robbers, kidnappers. They are violent criminals. But you know this Yahoo thing kind of is acceptable. Yeah, in many yeah. As when you spend money, I know you are not earning it. Because if you are earning it, even if God is blessing you, there's respect you have for it. When you want to give it, you give it with sense. One guy in Enugu was harassing everybody in that our region of Enugu. I hear that <laughs> senior. Israel will go and wash his car. They wash his car halfway. The boys will abandon the car with soap with everything. He can't vex because how much is he going to pay them? 1,005. That guy pays 500,000 per car wash. So when he arrives, yes. He normally arrives with two or three cars. All the boys in the car wash will abandon your car. They don't care the stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. What? It, happened, it used to happen this time until a few months ago. They don't care the stage. Do you hear my point? They have put soap, everything on your car. Time to rinse it, and the sun is about to start shining. They leave it for you like that. If you want vex, vex now. Ah. The vex over one five. I bet. <laughs> Twenty of them were washing two cars. Literally, no, I'm not exaggerating. No. Ask Israel. Uh, okay, in fact, uh, they, 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 are, they come go to Apostles Church. They don't. <laughs> That's a joke. But yeah, maybe I've seen them too. 20, 25 of them will be washing two or three cars. And they will abandon all the other customers. Why? When the man is done, when they are done, the man will come down, give them 500,000 naira. Even you, you will pity the boys. You will pity their foolishness. That you just, okay, don't worry. Go and end your money. I'm waiting here. If I this one, you wash them for me for free because God don't pay you. I don't know. <laughs> Of course, the moment we heard it, we said the money is not honest. It's not the generosity that's our issue. But as a way you are generous, we know that this is not real generosity. This is show. Is he in custody or is on, on the run? He's on the run. Don't worry, you can run from that till tomorrow. They, we will catch you. No, God will help us catch you. 
He's not on the run because he's a criminal. That's why I tell you, don't follow all these clowns on social media. They were sent by Satan to deceive. They say they do, they do real estate business. That's why you are buying Bentley for Christmas. I'm buying, buying a Patek Philippe for, for Valentine's to yourself and displaying the receipts on social media. They're not working for money. Ali Kudangote won't do that. He wouldn't do that. He has too much value for resources. He wouldn't do that. So please, I don't know what am I talking to today. Just relax, relax. Relax. God will bless you in his season. In your season. How did I go into that? I don't know. What was I saying? Anyway, talking about seed. Don't let people plant wrong seeds in your heart. Please don't allow it. Now, I went into all of that and then let's not get back to our message. Time to remind us that, see, God gives us small things to do. And I keep on saying, that's the power of grace. You do a great thing, but it's not by your own strength, but because you did the right small thing at the right time. And God gives you the ability to do that. It's what is called the measure of faith. God has given that to you. For example, to be able to come to church, to be able to decide you will come. To be able to say, I will not watch a match, it's 5 p.m., let me go and hear the word. Instead of lying down to sleep one extra hour, I will sleep later, let me go. No, those are the little decisions that we're talking about. You're doing business, somebody forgets money with you, you keep it for the person. Those are the little decisions you need to take. Then that releases grace. Now, the major one we're talking about now is how we use our tongues, how we use our lips. Following God is the most important thing you will do with your life. But again, you cannot do it by your strength. Please, let's bear that in mind again. Following the Lord is the most important thing you will do in your life. But you cannot use your strength to do it. Temptations will come. You know, Jesus came as a sinless lamb of God. But he did not resist temptation because he was strong. He resisted temptation by learning how to pray the right prayers. Did you hear what I said? The Bible says to us clearly, let me just read it, Hebrews chapter 4. Please, so this is very important. Jesus did not resist temptation because he was strong or because he was the son of God. He resisted temptation effectively because he knew the, let me borrow the word again, the technology. He knew how to do it. How did he do it? Through what? Prayer. Through prayer. He didn't do it by his own strength. He did it through prayer. Hebrews chapter 5. Not chapter 4. Sorry, I said chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 5. From verse 6. This is what he said. Let me start from verse 5. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest. But he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as it says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now this Jesus Christ, verse 7, in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Literally, he was heard because he feared. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. 
Now, please bear this in mind, that he was heard because he feared. So it was prayer that saved him from death. Now, what do you call death there? I mean, why did I bring sin into this? He said the wages of sin is what? Death. God is just. So if he sinned, he would have been a subject of death also. So prayer delivered him from sinning against the Father. How do I know? If you just go back to the previous chapter, because you know it's continuous, we jumped from there. We just we're not studying that now. In the previous chapter, he said, "Therefore, since we have a great High Priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a High Priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted." In all ways as we are being tempted, yet he did not sin, yet without sin. This is technology. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That was how he did it. And it tells us in a few verses after that, that he offered up prayers. He said supplications with loud cries and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because he feared. So you see, how did he maintain his purity? It's through that same technology, prayer. I hope you're getting my point. So Jesus is a perfect lamb of God because he learned how to pray the right prayers. It was important to him that he did not fail the plan of the Father, the eternal plan of the ages. So he prayed so that he wouldn't fail. Now, Remember, we're talking about consecration, all right? So I've said all of this to emphasize again. Let's go back to Psalm 40, just reminding us of how we are supposed to pray. Please, this is our school of prayer. I see all kinds of prayers going on around. And I can say confidently, many of them, no effect. I heard recently that one man said, one very powerful praying method is even a sign of laziness. I won't go into it. I don't want to get into controversy. There are all kinds of prayers going on. Please, you want to know how to pray? Grab your Bible and pray the prayers others have prayed before you. Stop inventing the the clock or the wheel. Go and look at what Jesus said. Modernize it. He prays for your disciples, pray for your children. Do you get my point? This is the same words. If they are persecuting you, that you can't speak in the name of Jesus again, ah, how did Peter pray? Collect it. Remove the name Peter. And Peter says, and Banky is saying, <laughs> Lord, behold their threatenings. Uh-huh. You know the truth is that we don't have enough faith in these words. When we finish praying like that, we'll not, we'll not start jumping, jumping, and walking on our heads. Peter did not walk on his head before the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. There is nothing you are going through, people have not gone through, and their prayers have not been recorded in scripture. I have found out. Anytime I'm praying, if you see me praying on my own, I'm always interrupting to bring out, to open my Bible, search out something. If I was praying, <laughs> I think it was earlier this morning. I was, I'm looking back now, laughing. I told the Lord, I'm coming. <laughs> what I wanted to say, I wanted somebody to help me say it properly. So I opened to a portion of scripture. And I read it. I said, Lord, this was, this was what I was trying to say. As I was, as I was praying, I was remembering things. I would pause again. And quickly open my Bible. Oh, hey, pause says something. Exactly what I want to say. I look for it. And I read it out again. 
I hope you're getting my point. That's what prayer is. Please, people should learn to pray. That's why we have every Tuesday, it was by the instruction of the Spirit we began school of prayer. It wasn't because I was looking for something to, to, to do. What we did before was school of what? Bible exegesis. One the Holy Spirit told me clearly, school of prayer. So I switched it. Initially, I used to switch between Bible exegesis and school of prayer. Now, I hardly go the other way. We keep on teaching how to pray because Jesus said it clearly. Men ought always to pray. Again, I say anybody telling you I prayed enough, Satan has possessed him. I, I, I say my pastor is possessed by Satan. Did Jesus not tell Peter you are possessed? So let's leave it there. I'm not saying he has become an evil spirit. Just at that time he spoke. Okay, Satan passed through him. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Especially in this political season. People keep on telling us we have prayed enough. I say to you by the Spirit of God, we have not prayed enough. Let me tell you when our prayers will be enough, when you are dead. When you have gone to heaven. That's when your own prayer is enough. Then those of us still here, those I leave behind, they will continue. The prayer will not stop. People will still be praying when Jesus will return. If Jesus does not stop praying, who are you? Going to the cross, he prayed. On the cross, he prayed. Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. What is that? Does that look to you like lamentation of Jeremiah? No, that was prayer. <laughs> then the Bible now tells after resurrection that he ever lives to make intercession for those who will draw near to God by him. Ever. Show respect now. How can Jesus still be praying? We are telling, you are telling me we are prayed enough. All we are doing is learning how to pray. So back to that Psalm 40. We're talking about following God's will, consecrating ourselves. It's a sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. I'm in verse 6. My ears you have opened, bond offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. What I want to emphasize again is the fact that he said, then I said. Then I said. It is what we say. There's a major place where we are missing the activation of grace. So our school of prayer, so we are talking about what you say in prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Well, a lot of times we complain in prayer. But when it comes to consecration, I want to, I want to emphasize. This is something you will say to the Father all the time. You need, you know, one reason why Christians fail is because they don't, they don't brag on Jesus enough. They don't speak enough, both publicly and in prayer. The things they want to do, they don't say them enough. Please, young people, you make sure you're, everybody must know what, that your faith is important to you by the way you talk about it. Now, that will help you separate yourself into the right group. If you are with people that you cannot mention, not just uh, mention, everybody goes to church, so it's not the name of your church I'm talking about, but the restrictions placed upon you because of your faith, you're in the wrong group. One of the things I teach my children, I say, brag on righteousness. Are you getting my point? Brag on it. You know, by brag on righteousness. In our, in our church, we don't do like that. If everybody will not do it, you think you, are, you think you are holier than thou? It looks like that. It looks like you are more wicked than me. That is, don't, nobody should cower you into a corner. And I say, no, that's not what I mean. You say, that's what I mean. No. You'll be doing as if it's only you that know God. Bros, if you want to join us, come. Don't say, no, no, I don't mean it like that. Please. I won't. Get, <laughs> You know, I still remember when I was in university. For you know, now I'm talking about that. I remember that the two guys will see chat now these days. 
One day I spoke. <laughs> I remember the guy very well in class. He just got up and got angry. That has a problem with some of you Christians. You talk as if God belongs to only you, and he got up and started walking away. I called after him. I won't mention his name now. I said, it's available for everybody. I've taken my portion of him. You can take your own portion. That's what I told him. I think it was the second or third year university. I shouted out like, I told him, why are you they vexed? God is big enough for everybody. I've taken my portion. Take your own portion. And don't stop trying to attack me because of the portion of him I've taken. I told him like that. I look back now. It must have been this. You know those days? We used to go to, I lived in rooms where people used to speak in tongues and pray all the time. So I think I was constantly spirit-filled. Because I look back now, that's what gave me that kind of boldness and utterance. I was very young. If I tell you how my age, that's you'll be surprised. And I called after him. I said, but, but relax. I said, you can take any one of him you want. I've taken my own portion. No need to fight me over it. He's big. I told him he's big enough to go around. And then another of our guys was there during that conversation. Later on, we were preparing for our, uh, our what they call, second MBA exams. First major professional exam we we're doing as students. So I came to another one guy referring to what happened earlier. He's a banky. Don't you think that it is very foolish to be talking boldly the way you do like that? <laughs> my wife knows who I'm talking about. That very long guy that will tell you that they're the ones that used to keep my feeding bottle. When he met my wife, he said, ah, you are Banky's wife. Eh? We are the ones that used to keep his feeding bottle for him when he was in school. He's a very funny human, very, very funny guy. Very funny. <laughs> He's the one. He said, don't you think it's foolish? I still remember the answer I gave him to. No, I can't remember his own exact answer. But I said, I said something like this. Well, it depends on who you are dealing with. If you know the God yourself, I mean, you talk about him, there's nothing foolish about bragging about him. I, I look back now, eh? I must have been possessed by the Holy Spirit. We're going for a particular exam years later. This was postgraduate. I went for a doctor's fellowship. <laughs> so he said, is there any testimony? I put up my eyes. I said, there's a testimony. So <laughs> share your testimony. I said, I'm going for exam on Monday. I just want you guys to know the examiner that said that would tell me I did not pass has not been born. <laughs> My friend said he wanted to collapse. Banky! He said, hey, what's wrong with this guy? Can't you just give this testimony the next week? Because the exam will finish me by Friday. You come and give it to us. You are not giving us the week before the exam. <laughs> I said, it, I mean, this, they call for testimonies. That was testimony I gave. I remember very well. I said, that exam will start on Monday. I want you guys to know. The exam that would, that would tell me I didn't pass that exam has not been born. <laughs> oh, God. I think God looked at this bank before you kill somebody. <laughs> Let me just help you. That was the exam I told you that. I slept, and I dreamt that I went late. And when I came in, I called for my paper. I opened it, and I saw question number one. I still remember very well. So I just saw it. Cystic disease of the kidney. I saw it like that clear. Two, three was blurry. So I put up my hand in the dream. Please, my paper is not good. Can I get, can I get another one? So give me another one. The same thing. I, I complained again. They gave me a third one. I will see question number one. I can't see two. I can't see three. I can't see four. And there's four questions answer all. Ah. So I was like, ah, I don't, what's going on here? Then I woke up. Behold, like the Bible says, it was a dream. So I went and told my guys that um, 
I think they are going to ask us on this particular. Ah, they say it's not possible. That that's hyper-specialized. It's for those who are going for their finals. We are doing part one. It's for those who are doing part two. I said, well, okay, it's true. So I forgot it. Then something means that if this thing comes out and then you didn't prepare for it, you will feel bad, though. So I decided to read. I read up that segment of my own textbook, the one we use standardly. Then one day I went to the office. I had a senior colleague who was going for the finals. So he asked that question in that regard. So I put for him everything I knew. And he said, is that all? And I still remember what I told him. I said, chief, is there more? Then he opened his mouth. We used to call him minister for education. The guy knew book well, well, you know? <laughs> For one day I told him, I said, sir, one day I'm going to be like you. I mean, he was, he was a resident doctor like the rest of us. But he was so good, you wanted to be like him. Now he practiced in Canada. So that day he opened his mouth and he began to talk. As it was, you know, well, you know like revelation. He said, I was looking like, ah, Oga. He went like this, went like that, explained, yeah. So I said, sir, I have, I have a question. I said, I know you didn't invent these things. Where do you read such things? He opened his drawer, brought out one rare textbook that dealt only with a particular segment of disease of the kidney and gave it to me. I opened it. All the things I thought I knew. Nothing compared to glory that surpassed it. You know? <laughs> so, make a long story short, I took the book. If I just made copies of those relevant chapters and I read the stuff, Lo and behold, of the day of exam, I have this habit. If exam is 9 o'clock, I get there like 5 minutes to 9. They're just my own. I don't come and hang around. So that you see me. I see students reading to the exam hall. It's just not my thing. My book is back in my hostel or wherever I am. This one will travel for the exam. I don't come out with anything. I just come out with my ID, my writing materials. So because of that, I met somebody on the way who kept me just an old classmate from secondary school. So we just stumbled into each other on the corridors in UCH Ibadan. Ah, what are you doing here? Oh, we talk, talk, talk. Okay, I came for my PG exams. Okay, we're starting now. I have to go. For that reason, I went in late. Just like it was in the dream. For that reason, I went just a few minutes late. And I called for my papers. They gave me the answer script first. They gave me the question paper. But of course, you know, you can't open the question until the exam starts. So I kept it. As soon as I said, you may start, I flip it over. Question number one. My colleague was sitting somewhere on my right. He turned, looked at me, and opened his mouth. <laughs> then I started writing. Oh, my God. The Holy Spirit possessed me to, re- to remember everything. Because after you went and opened your mouth, <laughs> let's go finish the job. Because you, you can't go back to that village before this exam. No, that's the exam. God helped me in that exam. God helped me in that exam. But my prophet later confessed that... <laughs> He had hardly ever seen essay that beautiful on that question number one. They gave us three hours for four questions. I spent one full hour on only one question. Yeah, because I knew everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Then said I, that's what we're emphasizing. I was saying that we don't brag on the Lord enough, either openly or privately, in prayer. We don't talk enough about the things that we are supposed to do. If you look at Jesus, he always, we're talking about consecration to the plan of God for our lives. It is not in following God that you spend your own energy. It's, now listen to this. It is insane you will follow. You hear what I said? It is insane you will follow. You will hear Jesus say, what shall I say? Father, deliver me from this hour. Then he will say, 
for this cause, for this purpose, I came to this hour. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is prayer? Is take the scriptures, personalize them. Make the word of God your own. What God wants from your life is that his words become your words. You will come to the Lord in prayer and say to him, as if he didn't let it from somewhere. Lord, I want to talk. Say, go ahead, you may speak. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You, Lord, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are always with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely, Lord, your goodness and your loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. So what else? I'm done, sir. So you may, you may leave. <laughs> That's it. Let me tell you how God does it. He marks you 100%. All this big English you are speaking, it doesn't impress him. He has given you words to use. Are you manufacturing your own? Anyone you manufacture is inferior to the one he gives. I hope you are getting my point. Yes, no, that, see, that's what I understand. In fact, I like one thing Kenegan said. He said, praying the word. He said towards the last days of his life that he found out that praying the word is also praying in the spirit. For decades he preached that you pray in the spirit only when you are speaking in tongues. Towards the end he said, no, that that's only half of it. I hope you are getting my point. That's why we, we, we pray like this here again and again. You want to follow this, the plan of God for your life? It is not when it is time to make a decision. Every day when you are praying, you will say, then I said, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. There is something, Lord, that you have written. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. What does it mean, your law is within my heart? See, the Bible talks about the law of sin and death. There's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Law is not only a commandment. Law is also a compulsion that's inside your heart. I hope you get my point. Paul talked about the law of sin working in his members. What does that do? It makes him sin, even when he doesn't want to. So that law is within my heart. What does that mean? The will that you propose for my life is written within my heart. So I go to prayer, I kneel down, and I declare it to the Father. I hope you get my point. Listen, when we do that in prayer, that is when our lives, like I said, James told us, you control your tongue, you control the direction of your destiny. You control your tongue, you control the direction of your destiny. There are four things I'm just going to point out for us quickly. Areas in which we must say, you know, say, then I said. You say it personally, that the way you are standing, taking declaration to yourself, you're on your knees in prayer to God, these are things you must say. Because it's important that we don't... See, God is a master architect, a master planner. He has planned your life. He has planned my life. He has planned our lives together, both as a church and as a nation. So he has planned. His plan, you cannot do better than it. Do you get my point? You cannot bring one that is better than his own. It's not possible. It's just not possible. It cannot exist. Look, you are not God. He is. So your struggle must be to fit into his plan. Whether you know it actively or not, that is specifically... What do you do? You go to prayer and say, your plan, I will follow. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You want to, I mean, you are in a particular place. People say, move to this city, move to this country, move here jobs. Don't just jump. 
go to prayer and say, your plan I will follow. The days of my life, before there was any one of them, they were written in your book. That's from Psalm 139. Say, Lord, I know you have written my days down. I have three job opportunities here. This one pays more than this one. Everybody thinks that you take this one because of this one. But the days of my life were written in your book. So it's not just, you know, sometimes, you know, I pray we get to the higher level of praying. There's a higher level in which you're not just telling God everything that he must do. What am I going to say? You can't insist, you know, people say that you want this job, you swear, see, the way I am is that I like this job, I tell the Lord about it, if they don't give it to me, I don't claim it by faith. I cannot claim by faith what God has not specifically promised. I can tell the Lord, look, I like it for certain reasons. And all my reasons must be good. They can't be, ah, God, you know, the money, money, they dear. God does not like this talk of uh, money, they dear. He doesn't like it. Talk about money, last. First, tell him things like, purpose, my skill, I can learn, I can help people, they look like they need me. Those are the things you tell him. So for me, if they deny you a job, you apply for a job, they deny it to you. I just, it's not my own attitude. It's not your own. No. You think every job is your own? It's not. And one of the ways you discover the one that is not your own is the one that the door is closed against you. Simple. You know, there are jobs that they close the door against you. You're wondering that. This is, this is a personal closure. <laughs> like this, the, somebody was thinking of you when they closed this door. Because you know people, you know everything, you are qualified. Then, that day, as you are rushing to get there, they said nobody can get there after 9 o'clock. You left your house at 7. As you are leaving the house, now it's raining. You know those kind of satanic rains that are falls in the transsecular heavily. But those independents lay out, they are wondering why there's drought in the society. So you can't get there and explain. They raise so heavily the bridge in Transdecolo block. It blocks normally when there's no rain. It now is not double block. Make a long story short. Then the person that knows you, they who's trying to help you, is now calling you, calling you, calling you. But because of the rain, your phone is inside your pocket. How <laughs> did you get there at 9.30? And the person is so angry with you that you are not serious and he has left. So they are doing interview for a job that you are the best you know, and you know important people there, and you are outside. Don't be angry. The number of angels were your case. The angel that brings rain, the one that causes traffic jam, and the one that blocks network. <laughs> they were sent to make sure you don't get it. Don't worry about it. God does such things only to bless you. Only. Say, so don't go inside there. That's not your place. So how do we pray? We pray in consecration to the will of God for our lives. As I mentioned, a number of areas where we must be careful. One, when you consecrate in prayer, you say to the Lord what you live for. It's so important. Please write that down if you are writing. What you live for, you just say to him, Lord, I live for you alone. What does it mean? What does it imply? You don't know. Just say it. In this my life, I live for you alone. Good scripture to use for that. Quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's open to that. People, when you go to prayer, these are the things you will say in prayer. That's what I'm saying. This will help you make decisions whether you should take a visa to one country or not. Can I interrupt for a moment? I want to explain something to believers. We have this habit as Christians, thinking we can learn how to control life. And I see people preach as if they, they can teach you that one. Keys on making your, your church become 200 as a pastor in the first year. You know, when I hear them preach, I'm looking like, excuse me, you, you know enough about life to determine 
what should happen to you in each season. I say, well, pray, pray. I say, faith means that I can determine what my life will be specifically. I had one time, one man said, faith means you can choose. It's in, in Christianity, you can choose. In other religions, you can't choose. But in Christianity, you can choose. And I tried to understand what he was saying. Choose what now? In Christianity, the only thing you can do, choose you this day. That's all. But what he was implying is that you can choose to be an evangelist or choose to be a businessman. I say it's a lie. You're ordained, preordained to be one or the other. God writes your name and says, you, you'll be an apostle to the Gentiles. Is that not what Paul told us? God knew, knew me from where? My mother's womb. And then who what? Ordained me to be an apostle to the Gentiles. God was just waiting for me to come to my senses and do what he commanded I should do before I was born. What is it to, what is it to Jeremiah? Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. I consecrated you as a prophet to the nations. If one stupid doctor decides to abort that pregnancy, he killed the prophet. I hope you're getting my point. He said, choose. I said, no, there's nothing like choose there. I am not in Enugu because I love Enugu. I plant some No. You want to know I came to Enugu? It never crossed my mind all my life until just a few weeks before the decision was made. I had only been to this city once in my life. The second time I came here was to come here. Do you get my point? I mean, it wasn't a decision we made. By the time my wife married me, she did not know we were going to Enugu. And we came to Enugu less than a year after we got married. It never crossed our mind. Me and I didn't discuss, you know, I feel called to Eastern Nigeria. Praise God. You know, I'm going to be there. Me and Nam Dekano are going to struggle for supremacy. Who is the supreme leader? <laughs> no, it never crossed my mind. I finished my training in Lagos. The only thing I just told her is that I believe that where I will go next is where God wants us to start ministry from. That's the only thing I remember saying. So, I never liked Lagos as a person. But because I came there in the first place without liking it, my heart was open still that maybe I will stay there. Even though I didn't like it. So when the door did not open to stay behind, I was not angry at all. Where is it? So doors were opening here and there. Now just looking at the doors, there was a door opened. One of the first persons to mention that many of you may know, uh, uh, Venerable Professor uh, Sam Mickey. Yeah, he just came to see me. He goes, ah, how are you doing? I heard you, you got my, no, just talk. So, have you ever thought about coming to Enugu? Ah, they will need you over there. It was the first, although my friend said he mentioned it before, but I couldn't remember him mentioning it. About three or four people independently, I remember three of them, mentioned it. So Enugu was just showing up again and again. And I started praying about it, thinking about it, until God sent one brother who I had not seen in a long time. And we just sat downstairs where my apartment a block. Just when we greeted for a while, then, you know, looking for what to say. Just started saying, Enugu is a nice place. It's a beautiful place to raise a family. It's a very comfortable. You no, know, I had to look like. I had not seen that guy. I'm not exaggerating. In nothing less than five years. can't remember the exact number of years, but I had not seen him in such a long time. In fact, if I remember well, I probably saw him last in 91. Okay, let's put it to 92. 
And this was, nine, this was 2000. There was no social media. It's not as if he saw me on social media. Brethren, pray with me. Should I go to Enugu? So by his talk that day, the Lord confirmed to me that all the suggestions I've been getting is the direction of the Spirit. That's why I came here. That was the year 2000. September 2000, I arrived. That was 22 years ago this month. I hope you're getting my point. See, God plans ahead. Christians sometimes want to think as if, no, consecrate yourself, he will move you to the right place. Is that consecration we are talking about? Just consecrate. Just tell him, wherever you say we should go, we will go there. Just say that to him. Wherever you say I should go, I will go. I don't know where, but I will go. Don't be afraid to say it, because people say, sometimes I met one man once, he said, ha, he loves the Lord, he loves the Lord. He's a man of God. If God says I should go to Meduguri, I don't think I will go. I burst into laughter. I said, sir, don't worry, you will go. He said, no, I don't think. I said, don't worry, you will go. I said, the reason why you are thinking so now is because he has not given you the grace to go. When he says you should go, the spirit will enter into you and send you there. We'll be the ones telling you, wait, 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 wait. You say, I'm going. The reason why you are saying what you are saying now is because he hasn't said it to you. So, for that reason, the grace is not there. Because we don't obey by our own strength. We obey by grace. How do we tap into that grace? Then said I. I said, number one, in prayer, declare all the time who you live for. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I want us to read this together. Everybody. We are going to read verses 14 and 15. Are you there? One, two, let's go. For the love of Christ, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Why do I feel like not all of us are reading? Okay, I know why. We don't like reading when we are sitting down. I wasn't. They go we are sitting down. Or they are writing. That reading was so... Is it the rain? All right, let's answer our feet. We're going to read a few scriptures and then we'll close. Now, let's, let's open to it again. We're, we're open there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 14. One to let's go. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That is a, that's something to take to God in prayer. Just say to him, this is what I live for. This is who I live for. You have 30 seconds. Talk to him like that. You don't have to say, just read that scripture out to him. Reform that scripture. Christ, your love controls me. I have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that I will no longer live for myself. But for him who died and rose again on my behalf, say to the Lord, I live for you alone. Lord, I live for you alone. Say that to him at least seven times. Lord, I live for you alone. I live for you alone. Jesus, I live for you alone. Father, I live for Christ alone. For me to live is Christ. That's what Paul said. And you don't have to be in need to say this. Just make sure you do it periodically. Lord, I live for you alone. Lord, I live for you alone. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. We're using the words that Paul gave to us. For me to live is Christ. 
For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. What does it mean? My life is for Christ. I live for Christ alone. 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 Say that to the Lord. That is what prayer is. He said, for me, that's first in Philippians chapter 1. He said, for me to live is Christ. That's what Paul says. For me to live is Christ. Say that to the Lord today in prayer. That's the first area we consecrate ourselves. I just identified four of them. Now begin to say, I don't live for mammon. It's important. What does, you see, what does it live, mean to live for mammon? Money is the reason you make decisions. Money is the reason you choose careers. Money is the reason why you travel from one place to the other. That is what it means to live for mammon. Now say to the Lord, I will not live for mammon. These are the consecrations we are saying. Say these things before the pressure comes. Jesus, I live for you alone. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. So say to him, I am not living for money. I am not living for prosperity. I am not living for material gain. My decisions will not be made because it will bring me material gain. I will make my decisions. Paul said in that Philippians chapter 4. He said, for me to live is Christ. He said, if I am to live on in the flesh, it will mean fruitful labor for me. That is in the service of Christ. So say to the Lord, I, every decision in my life will be made for fruitful labor in your service. It's called consecration. Say to the Lord, I'm not living for my family. That man came to Jesus. He said, let me first go and bury your fa- my father. Jesus said, no, it doesn't work like that. One said, come, let me first. He said, no, if you put your hand on the plow and you look back, you're not worthy of the king- for the kingdom. You're not worthy of the kingdom. So say to the Lord, I'm not living for my family. I'm not living for the lust of men. I'm not living for the expectation of people that love me. I'm living only for Christ. I am living only for Christ. I am living only for Christ. I'm living only for Christ. It's, it's called dedication. It's called dedication. You have to say these things to the Lord in prayer. You know, like I said, you say to the Lord just what he has said. Say, Lord, I cannot serve two masters. Now say that to him. I can't serve two masters. I cannot serve God and money. I choose to serve God. That's the consecration. Having concluded this, that we cannot serve two masters, Lord, today I say to you, I choose to serve God alone. I choose to serve Jesus alone. I choose to serve Jesus. Now, you are not saying this because there's pressure for something. What you are just doing is you are setting your destiny right with your tongue. You are setting your destiny right with your words in prayer. You are boldly declaring to God the Father what your life should be according to his will. Take another minute and say that to the Lord. For me to live is in the service of Christ. He died for me, now I live for him. Say that to him several times. Jesus, you died for me, now I live for you. Die, live. You died for me, I live for you. You died for me, I live for you. My whole life is Christ. My whole life is Christ. I am not alive for mammon. I am not alive for the lust of men. That is what men expect of me. I am not alive to satisfy anybody else's desires. I live to serve Christ alone. The anchor scripture for that is that 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That we read just now. I just also quoted from Philippians chapter 1 from verse 21. In Jesus' name we have prayed. On that area where we consecrate ourselves, let's quickly open our Bibles. Romans chapter 12. 
We're going to read two portions, Romans chapter 12 and then um, 1 Thessalonians. Let's start with that, Romans chapter 12. Are you there? Now, we're all going to read it together, as we did the other one. And let's read it loud. We're reading two verses, verses 1 and 2. Are you there? One, two, let's go. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. What is in verse 1? He said, I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to do what? Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. He said, that's your spiritual service of worship. Another thing we do to God in prayer of consecration is to, with our mouth, give him our bodies. Did you hear that? That's something we do. With our mouth, we give him what? Our bodies. Now, just hold that. Let's quickly go to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll read from verse um, 3. No, we'll read from verse 1, sorry. We'll read all the way to verse um, 7. It's a, it's a long read, but that's what we're going to use in prayer. Now, please, remember that first one. Now, we're reading all of this. We're reading it in prayer. Sorry, just a second. Are you there? Now, let's read together. I want to let's go. Finally, then, brethren, we request and exalt you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more, for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no one transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. Just as we also told you before, and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Yeah, we'll stop in verse 7 there. All right. Now, you are going to take this to prayer. He said, this is the will of God. What? Your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. If you go back to that Romans chapter 12, what did he say? He said, present your bodies as what? Living and holy sacrifice. Now, please let me recommend again. Read the book, Worship and Sex Control. I discuss these things there in detail. But this is where control starts from. Where? Your mouth. Consecration in prayer. Again, let's pray. We have about two, three minutes for that. Each person go to God. Say, Lord, I present my body to you again. You have bought me. You own me. Just like Hannah brought somewhere to the temple, I bring this body to your temple. I consecrate this body in sanctification. Begin to read the scripture out. Say, this is the will of God, my sanctification. Lord, that I abstain from sexual immorality, that I know how to possess my own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion. Lord, with my mouth in consecration before your throne today, I reject lustful passion. And I say to my body, you will serve God. I lay you down on the altar. You belong to God. Yes, physically you are alive. That's why you are called a living sacrifice. 
Lord, this body will serve your purpose. This body will serve your purpose. Please read that from that portion. That first Thessalonians chapter 4, from verse 1 to verse 7 that we read just now. Say, Lord, you have not called me for the purpose of impurity. You have not called me for sexual promiscuity. You have not called me for adultery. You have called me for sanctification. So I consecrate my body. I consecrate my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I consecrate my eyes, what my eyes will gaze upon. I consecrate my whole members as instruments of righteousness. Paul taught us that also. Say, Lord, today I consecrate my members as instruments of righteousness, not as instruments of unrighteousness. I consecrate my members as instruments of righteousness. I will do the will of God with my body. I will do the will of God with my body. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that I have by faith. But it expresses itself in works in my body. This body is pure. This body is holy. This body is righteous. It is laid down on the Lord's altar right now. I lay it down on the altar of God. I say, Lord, possess me with that spirit of purity. Possess me with the spirit of sanctification. Let this mouth preach the gospel. Let his eyes behold your beauty, your glory. Let his legs carry. He said, how blessed on the mountains are the feet of those that bear good tidings. Lord, let his feet carry me to the place of good tidings and away from the place of iniquity. Let his legs not stand in the path of sinners. Let this seat not sit in the seat of scoffers. In the name of Jesus is my consecration to you today. It is my consecration to you today. Lord, it is my consecration to you today. Lord, it is my consecration to you today. Take a few more minutes. Use your own words. Just mix those scriptures together. We are taking a number of scriptures, Romans chapter 12, from verse 1 to verse 2. First Thessalonians chapter 4, from verse 1 to verse 7. And also from the book of Romans, Paul talked about the fact that we yield our members as instruments of righteousness. Say, Lord, I yield my members. I yield my members. I yield my members. Romans chapter 6. He said, please listen to this. He said, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. In fact, let's read it together. Let's read it together. This Bible reading is important. We're going to read from verse 8 and we'll read to verse 14. Please. We are giving out these scriptures. That's what we use in prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Use these scriptures in prayer. Romans chapter 6. We are going to read from verse 8 all the way to verse 14. Are you there? Now, I want to let's go. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you will obey its laws. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now listen to this. This is what he's telling us. This is such a beautiful portion. I'm happy we read it. We have died with Christ. Say amen to that. Amen. We shall live with him. Amen. 
And when they say we shall live with him, that is now we are living with him. That's what he's saying. He said, we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is no longer, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. So death is not master over us. Amen. Say amen like you believe it. Amen. He said, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. You are dead to sin. Amen. Say it, Lord, I'm dead to sin. Say it again. Say it again. Two more times. Lord, I'm dead to sin. One more time. Lord, I'm dead to sin. He said, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Say, Lord, I'm alive to God. Say it, I'm alive to God. I'm alive to righteousness. I'm alive to God. I'm alive to righteousness. I am dead to sin. I don't walk in sin. Sin will not have mastery over me. Sin will not have dominion over me. You know what he said, verse 12? Because of this fact, what you do is what you choose to do. I hope you are getting my point. He says, so do not let sin reign in your mortal body. It doesn't have, it is not master over you. So if you reigns, you are allowing it. So everybody in consecration say, Lord, sin will not reign in my body. Say in the name of Jesus, I consecrate this body. Sin will not reign in my body. I consecrate this body. He said, do not go on presenting your members, the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now begin to say to the Lord, I give you my body again as instruments of righteousness. Every part of me. Please remember, when you are consecrated, well, Romans chapter 12, we began with it. We went to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now we're in Romans chapter 6. Use these words. Use these words. Sin will not be master over me. I present myself now to God as one alive from the dead. And my body, members of my body, as instruments of righteousness. My mouth will speak the words of life. Oh, my mouth will speak the words of life. That's the consecration. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. For time's sake, I want to jump to the next two, or maybe we might come back to them later, but let me just mention them. Another thing we should consecrate concerning is where our satisfaction lies. Yes. They came to Jesus. What did he say in John chapter 4? He said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Did you hear that? What are they talking about? He was hungry. They went to go and get food. There was lack of satisfaction at that point in his life. And he said food will fill it. So he went to go and look for food. Before they came back, he met the woman by the well. Remember that story? And he ministered the word of God to her. And she gathered the whole town unto him. After they left, he <laughs> said, come and eat now. He said, I'm no longer hungry. Ah, He said, did somebody bring him food while we were gone? He said, no. My food my nourishment, my satisfaction comes from what? Doing the, the will of him that sent me and from finishing his work. Do you know that it's so terrible for us these days, many of us Christians. Our satisfaction comes from the, from the fruit after we sow the seed. Oh, give an offering, a dangerous offering. The testimony is when he produced a millionaire. That day, as I was giving the seed, he that shows in tears. Sharif with joy. Today I'm reaping with joy. Nonsense. Our satisfaction does not come from doing the will of God. 
is comes from reward, receiving a reward. That's an ungodly thing. Today you consecrate yourself. You know the Bible says something concerning Jesus in Isaiah 53. He said, if we see the result of the travail of his soul, I will be what? Be satisfied. So he said, my satisfaction. So tell the Lord, please, because of time, let's get into that quickly. My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say that to the Lord at least five times. Lord, my satisfaction in life is not when you give me a big car, you give me a good wife, or you give me a good husband, or you give me children. No. My satisfaction is for me to know I did that which is pleasing to you. My satisfaction is for me to know that I did that which is pleasing to you. My satisfaction is for me to know that I did that which is pleasing to you. Lord, my satisfaction is for me to know that I did that which is pleasing to you. It's a dedication. I'm telling my soul, soul, satisfy yourself in doing the will of God. So you will be satisfied. I command you in the name of Jesus. I say to my soul, you will be satisfied once you have done the will of God. Now say to the Lord, that's, that's my satisfaction. That is my satisfaction. That is my satisfaction. That is my satisfaction. That's the prayer. That is my satisfaction. Take another minute and say that to the Lord in prayer. My satisfaction is not from my made money. I'm now famous. I have 10,000, 100,000 followers on social media. No, 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 no. My satisfaction is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We read that from the book of John chapter 4, verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. In the same manner, the last one actually is the same thing as chapter 3, just saying that we are consecrating ourselves. Paul said, say to Archippus, in Colossians chapter 4, let's open that and read it. Then with that, we give God thanks. We might, we might go over these declarations again next time. Because it's so important. Colossians chapter 4. No, what we are doing, we are consecrating our lives. That's it. God may not say something specific to you. But these words will carry you. These words will carry you. These words will carry you into fulfilling the will of God for your life. These words will make you bold in declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. These words will deliver you from sin. It will deliver you from bondage to sin. As you have uttered these words today, addictions are broken in your life. As you have uttered these words to God in consecration in prayer, bondages are broken. Amen. Evil friends are removed. Amen. You are separated from the wrong company. Amen. You won't have to try. Just watch it. Amen. It won't be effort. Amen. Somebody listen to me. You are hooked on maybe it's, um, alcohol and tobacco. Maybe even Indian hemp. That addiction has been broken. Amen. The reason why many Christians, I'm telling somebody listening to me, just to go to church, tell your pastor, I want to be baptized in water. Yeah. This consecration. I found out that God is faithful. If something is not working right, there's something we are not doing right. And it's not a big thing, no. It's a small thing. Again, I say, that addiction is broken. Jesus said to that woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I'm saying to somebody who's committing adultery, go and sin no more. Amen. When he said to that woman, she wasn't telling her, try. No, 
He was empowering her. By this prayer today, you are empowered. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Philippians, uh, Colossians chapter 4. Let's read verse 17 together. It's just one verse. Are you there? Let's give a few seconds to those who are just getting there. All right, one, two, let's go. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Now, what's your name? Good. I'm happy. I ha- I'm happy nobody said Archippus. <laughs> what's your name? All right, I heard Emmanuel. What's your name? I heard Cosmos. I'm hearing different names. I'm hearing Banky. All right. I'm hearing Ufoma. All right. Uh-huh. Now you will say to Ufoma, you will say to Emmanuel, you will say to Kemuti. I hope you are getting my point. You will take heed to the ministry you have received in the Lord that you will fulfill it. Now begin to say. Remember his words. I say to you, Banky, take heed. You will. Take heed to the ministry that you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Say to yourself, Banky, I'm saying to you, you will take heed to the ministry you have received in the Lord to fulfill it. You will pay attention to your ministry. There will be no distraction in your life. There will be no distraction in your life. I prophesy to you, every distraction, every obstacle, every hindrance is removed in the name of Jesus. You will take heed to that ministry and you will fulfill it. Now say to the Lord, you are talking to yourself, you know, now say to the Lord, Lord, I consecrate myself to the ministry you have given me in the Lord, that I may fulfill it. I may not know it now, or I may even think I know it, but that's not all there is to it. But Lord, I consecrate myself to it. I receive the Spirit to fulfill it. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. His grace working towards me is not prove vain. What is vain? What is grace? It's the power of God to help you fulfill. Say, Lord, I receive grace. Now begin to say that, Lord, I receive grace, I receive power, I receive enablement, I receive grace, I receive power, I receive enablement. Begin to say that to the Lord now. I receive grace, I receive power, I receive enablement in the name of Jesus. I receive grace, I receive power, I receive enablement to fulfill the ministry that I have in the Lord. To fulfill the ministry that I have in the Lord. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Please, I beg you, go and get, we'll try and get this message out. All the streaming platforms will be available. Please listen to it again and again. We'll try and hang it on our website within the next one week. Okay? So you can follow up on, on, on the, our podcast. There are two podcasts you can follow on the regular Pastor Banky. Uh, but there's another one at the, the KW Radio. Yes, you can f- find it there. But listen to this. Especially this latter part, this prayer part. That is how you set your life aright. People think, I will, God doesn't have to tell you things. The words will carry you. Listen to me. You don't act on the word. The word acts on you. We used to say, act on the word. Well, please, it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I found out that, no, this is how it works. Pay attention to the word. I hope you're getting my point. Utter the right words, then the word will act on you. Obedience is a sign that you have been paying attention. Do you get my point? So that's why I take these prayers, go over them. The consecration prayer is not, I receive it in Jesus' name. No. It's a life prayer. When I say, I receive it, it's just something you say once and then you go away. No. It's something you do again and again. You consecrate your members today, tomorrow do it again. Especially when the body begins to work out where you're not supposed to work out go. I've not, I can't forget the testimony one sister shared with me recently. That she, she's a married woman and fell in love with another man. It's a testimony. What is the testimony? So I just took the word, put it in my ears, and listened. He said, by the time I finished, he said, the evil spirit departed. 
Not be ordinary eye, like we say. Some of these evil people do. It's not ordinary eye. How do you keep yourself clean? How do you keep yourself consecrated? Pray these prayers all the time. That was how Jesus did it. The strong man is the praying one. I hope you're getting my point. It's not the one that knows. No, 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 no. Is the praying one. That's why Peter came to Jesus and said, I never trusted Thomas. John is not even strong, a small boy. Me? I will never deny you. Jesus, all of you is scatter. Why did he say it? He said, let's go and pray. They don't agree. <laughs> How did he not scatter? The rest of them scattered, you know. But him, why did he not scatter? Because he prayed. Thank you. Why did he not scatter? He prayed. He prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That was the strength that prevented him from scattering too. Otherwise, he too for scatter. Romans soldiers will look for you, they won't see him. He will have passed through this midst of them and gone his way like he's been doing in previous times, before the time of sacrifice. He will have called 12 legions of angels. They will have scattered the Roman soldiers and everything, everywhere will have scattered. And so I said, Jesus, you don't go to the cross. He said, well, when I say cross, now I'm humble. And everyone will say, Pele, I don't blame you. The cross is hard. And if you say, you are supposed to go. You are supposed to be the Lamb of God. They say, keep quiet. Keep quiet. Why are you criticizing him? It's because they have not nailed you before. <laughs> no, that's how we talk now. We'll start justifying and excusing disobedience. Because we are not minding the things of God, but the things of man. But Jesus, how did he get his strength? He went back to the garden and he prayed. He came out. He saw the cross in the horizon. He said, I'm not ready yet. He went back and he prayed. He did that three times. And he said the same things. The Bible emphasized to us that he prayed the same words. Sometimes we Pentecostal, we are still innovative. So yesterday we prayed that we will serve God. Today, we are going to say something else. No, we, we are too innovative. I've been a Pentecostal also for a very long time. I know how we used to pray. I have repented. I'm telling you. I, I heard that groaning is in vogue now. I'm not saying groaning is wrong. I'm just not coming here to groan for you. There are times groaning comes upon me in my house. Are you, I hope you're getting my point. It's a burden on the soul. It's like when things heavy you. It go come out. But I'm not sitting down here and say, brethren, begin to groan. No, I'm not going to do anything like that. I'll just use simple words. We can all pray together. Listen, brethren, please, can I say this to the church? Go and learn this. When you are together, pray together. Did you hear what I said? Church, when we are together, pray together. When we are together, pray together. Please, from this evening, you'll be able to download our book, Let Us Agree. It's a little book. Titles, let us agree. It's for the church to know how to manage this political season in prayer. We must be in agreement. Please, the book is, I know I've been saying for some time, but then I decided to put it properly. It's now fully done. This young man helped me yesterday to put all the tags and everything. So it's ready to be released. I did, it didn't come out this morning because the internet was not working in my house. All right, so I didn't have the time. Once I left the house, I didn't pay attention to it again. But this evening you will get it, the link. Just follow it around. Just click on it. It's very small. It's about how many? 1.7 MB. Something you can read easily. Please read it and share it. All right? Brethren should always pray in agreement. When you are together, pray together. Use similar words or exactly the same words. It's important. That way you activate the power of God. All right? Now, I give a lot of thanks if you know you have been blessed today.